Hello everybody and welcome back to the sex and marriage series. Today we are going to be doing probably the second to last installment for a very long time. I have every intention to come back to this series, especially if you all email me with more questions and things that we can talk about for this, but Having been close to 30 installments, I think at this point we have talked a whole lot about sex and marriage. But on the topic of marriage, something we didn't cover is the question of what makes your quote-unquote marriage not count. You see, I want to read here from Malachi chapter 2. Uh, let's get into something very interesting that Malachi says. You cover the Lord's altar with tears. This is Malachi chapter 2, beginning in the 13th verse. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. God calls marriage a covenant. Not a sacrament, but a covenant, and one that has sacramental benefits. You see, a sacrament is a rite that has a physical and a spiritual element that is commanded by God and promises grace. It must be done properly. Marriage is in this kind of gray area where there is promise of grace. Certainly, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be present there if it didn't have that promise of grace. And it also has a physical and a spiritual element. Two persons becoming one flesh, sharing one life. But it is not commanded of all people to become married. Thank God, there's a lot of people that should not get married ever. And there are some people that are graced with the charism of celibacy of one in a million people to the point where it's statistically insignificant but i digress marriage is a sacramental covenant it is not a sacrament but it is a sacramental covenant repeat after me marriage is a sacramental covenant it has benefits both spiritual and physical it is blessed by god but it is not commanded for people to go through it and get married. Okay, we've got that out of the way. But now we have to ask, what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties. There is no greater way, no more solid, super-duper, I-mean-it way to form an agreement than a covenant. You can pinky promise. You can pinky swear. You can cross your heart and hope to die. You can write up a contract. And none of that will be with the same binding force 
as a covenant. A covenant includes stipulations for both sides, and it includes consequences for breaking that covenant. And a covenant has witnesses for itself. Usually, in terms of scripture, two or more witnesses. Marriage is just such a covenant. Now, on the topic of witnesses, God is one witness, as he says in Malachi. He is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. And then you need a second witness, or third witness, or fourth, depending on how many people are attending the covenant ceremony that we call a wedding. And what does this mean? This means that a whole lot of people are living in fake marriages. Marriages that are not blessed by God, that do not have the Holy Spirit involved, that do not have any grace whatsoever attached, because a man and a woman said, LOL, it's okay, we're just going to say we are married. And then they just live together. And they copulate, they fornicate, they enjoy evenings and afternoons together and date night and stuff as they play pretend, as they play house, as a fake husband and fake wife. No, you are not married if you do not have a wedding. You have no covenantal ceremony that ratified it. And no... If you are just cohabitating with somebody, that is not marriage. Just like the fake marriage of people that think they can make a promise before God that we're totally married and stuff, lol. The people who are cohabitating do not have a covenant. The fake husband in this situation has no requirement whatsoever to love his woman as Christ loves the church and she is not required to submit to him as the church submits to Christ. You have a relationship with no real covenant stipulations. You have people that maybe figure it out sometimes. <laughs> and of course, there is no consequences for breaking it off. Oh, there will be consequences for your sin in the case of cohabitation or fake marriage. Oh yes, there will be. There most certainly will be consequences, but it is not consequences for breaking covenant with the wife of your youth or for her uh, adulterating, leaving you, whatever. In the case of real biblical marriage, there are consequences for breaking covenant. This is why in the Old Testament, people who committed adultery were stoned to death. And women who were suspected of committing adultery uh, were forced to drink a kind of beverage that included a curse if she indeed was unfaithful. If a couple is fake married, Again, that's just when people say they are married. Uh, this often gets called common law marriage. If they just say, we're totally heckin' wholesome chungus married because we made a promise in the other room, they're not. And that means that in the back of their minds, they know that they are not actually married, 
and they know that there are no biblical consequences if they cheat on each other, if they abandon each other, if they leave the house and take the kids and the dog and the suitcase full of clothes and they empty out the bank account. Guess what, pal? You have no biblical protections if that happens. And don't expect support from the church because guess what? You didn't involve them. Whoops. Because you wanted to get it out of your pants and whip it out and stick it in before you were supposed to and you made up a wonderful rationalization of why that's okay now. You're standing on shaky, unsolid ground. For crying out loud, somebody who gets a courthouse wedding at least they are actually married. They have some government official as witness, and God who sees everything is witness. Those two people getting married at that courthouse, that's a real marriage right there. It's not ideal, because honestly, we want the church involved in helping a family to grow and for the kids to be there and getting them baptized and everything. Sure, but it's still a real marriage. The people out there, they get their pastor involved in a wedding, but they don't go to the state for it. Again, that is a real marriage in the eyes of God. Now, sure, you're missing out on some tax benefits and stuff if you don't go to the courthouse to get the marriage license or certificate signed up and everything. But if you go through the church and say, yeah, we're just going to go through the church on this, it is still a legitimate marriage. Maybe not in the eyes of the state, but who cares? If you just decide we're married now, if you just get on your knees in front of your bed before you bump uglies, because that's really what you're here for, if you just say, oh, oh, dear Lord, we promise we're married and we're going to be so dedicated to each other forever for all of our lives, it doesn't matter. That is not marriage. And it's probably going to fall apart. I have seen many relationships like this crash and burn and die. And no wonder, because they did not do the sacramental covenant the way God wanted it done, God did not bless it. So it died. And if it endures, it is despite these people themselves, despite their flaws, despite their sin, not on account of it. Fake marriage is worse than cohabiting. Of course, both are sins. Both are states of sin and total fornication. But fake marriages rationalize. They try to pretend that it's not sin. They try to soothe their conscience with self-justification by not entering into a covenant. Now, before we move on, I have to in before something. If somebody says, ah, but we really are married, and we really did have the full covenant. Because on the matter of two or more witnesses, everything shall be established. And I am a witness, my wife is a witness, and God is a witness. Tee lol. No, it does not work that way. The two parties of a covenant cannot be witnesses of their own covenant. At least not in the biblical sense of covenants. There is one exception to that, which is unilateral covenants. 
That is when God approaches a man like Abraham and says, I alone shall do this. I set up my own stipulations. I set up my own consequences if I should be faithless, which I will not because I am God. That's what God says. I will do this. A unilateral covenant is a super duper fully confirmed promise by one party. Marriage is not a one party covenant. This is why Moses, when ratifying the covenant between God and the children of Israel, calls upon the heavens and the earth to be witnesses against the Israelites, saying you are entering into a covenant with God and we need witnesses. Okay, the heavens and the earth shall declare. When Jesus is going through into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, right? And they say, make your disciples shut up with this whole Hosanna talk. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, if they did not cry this out, the very stones themselves would cry out. That's probably a reference to what Moses said. Because God was in the midst of those people, and according to the covenant stipulations, the earth was one of the witnesses that would call out if the children of Israel were faithless. He says if they were silent, the ground itself would cry out against them for their faithlessness. The stones, the rocks would cry. You require those witnesses when you get into a bilateral covenant. Two parties, man and woman, marriage. Now, on the one hand, there is some encouragement there. If you, listening to this, had a fake marriage, where you guys just said you were married and thought that was good enough, and it crashed and burned, as there's a 99% chance that it did, you can actually go out and get married to somebody IRL. The Bible does restrict remarriage. Effectively, you're only really permitted to get remarried to somebody else if you were abandoned by a pagan spouse or something along those lines. We won't get into that issue here, but uh, typically if two Christian spouses divorce, you're not supposed to get remarried until the other person dies. <laughs> But if you were in a fake marriage, one which was marked by you guys just fornicating and uh, rationalizing yourselves into feeling okay with it, you never were married. So when that relationship blows up, it is possible for you to still enjoy holy matrimony after the fact. Now, on the topic of cohabitation. What is cohabitation? It's shacking up. It's people deciding, wow, it feels really good when PP goes into JJ. Let's live together so that we don't have to travel out on dates and then get a hotel to put PP in JJ. It really is that simple, guys. That is basically all that cohabitation is. And ooh, wow, we can play house. My girlfriend that lives with me can cook me breakfast sometimes, and I can pay rent so she doesn't have to. Now, why would people do this? Why would you cohabitate? Well, for one, it is a love of vanity for the sake of cowardice. Cohabitating relationships hardly ever last. 
That's just a fact. They hardly ever last. People will talk over and over again about the divorce statistics and how they think marriage is a scam. If you if you get married, bro, you're just going to get divorced. There's like a 50% chance of divorcing. Okay, but what are the chances that your cohabitation relationship is going to end and end painfully? Well, it turns out that, well, year after year, studies demonstrate and prove again and again and again that cohabitation relationships are fundamentally unstable. And if a couple cohabits before marriage and they do take the right step in getting married to fix their state of sin, they still have a higher likelihood of divorce. They are going to have to work harder to prevent their marriage from splitting up. What does that mean? It means that if you are cohabiting with somebody, you're probably going to break up with them. It's probably not going to last, not very long anyway. You are shooting yourself in the foot and setting yourself up for misery. But a lot of people know that when they go into a cohabitation relationship. They understand that it's probably not going to last forever, but they're okay with that because PP feel good, because VJJ feel good, because the girl doesn't want to belong to a man, you see. She doesn't want anything like that, and that would be unthinkable to, to wear a ring that says she's somebody else's property. And the man, he doesn't want to be tied down. He doesn't want those divorce courts to screw him over. Uh-uh. It is okay to just live together. Let's just do that. So this phase of our lives is enjoyed with somebody else. Oh yeah. Besides, you know, we can always get married at some point in the future if we really feel like it. <laughs> yeah, it's an embrace of vanity for the sake of cowardice. If you are in a cohabitating relationship right now, you are a coward. You want all the benefits of marriage without any of the risks without any of the commitment, without any of the work that goes into it that makes it worth getting married in the first place. And since your relationship was begun with convenience as the prime motivator, okay, well, convenience and hedonism, at some point the relationship itself will be deemed inconvenient, leading to dissolution. Again, most people who are cohabiting know this. They know that it will probably not last. It is about convenience in the moment. The same people who tell you that marriage is a scam and you shouldn't get married, you shouldn't even get fake married because it's not going to last and it'll blow up and kids are going to get involved or whatever. These are the same people shackling themselves to temporary, dramatic, painful relationships for what? For pleasure and convenience, an embrace of vanity for a life that they don't think is going to last forever. It is a fundamentally unchristian way to go about it. You should get married understanding that the both of you, as called saints of God Most High, you are going to live forever. So your actions as a couple in the Holy Covenant of marriage are going to have far-reaching effects into eternity. 
you're giving your children the best chance at life. Again, study after study will show that children who grow up with a father and a mother present in matrimony have the best life outcomes out of all other kids. Period. When you get married, you are saying, yes, I'm going to give that to my children. They are going to grow up with stability, with the church, with baptism, in the sacrament of Holy Communion. They will be confirmed. They are going to step into eternal life with their best foot forward. There are countless people, saints in heaven, that have rewards heaped upon them by God Most High for having gotten married, had children, raising them right, and then making sure that their grandchildren are raised right. How many saints populate heaven on account of faithful husbands and wives who respect this covenant with the gravity and the joy that it rightfully deserves? If you are cohabiting, you're taking that low time preference look at it and saying, Nah, nah, I just want, I want, I want pee pee feel good and I want breakfast and, and I want to cuddle at night. And, and I'm okay with that for only a few years before she gets tired of me or I get bored of her or she starts giving me lip and then we'll break up and then I'll find somebody else to live with. And I'll keep doing that until my vain life perishes and I leave this earth with literally no footprint on heaven or on earth. And as I eternally burn, I will tell myself it was worth it for those few years at a time that I got to touch my pee-pee using somebody else. I got to masturbate into a woman's vagina. Do you really want that with your life? Do you really want that for yourself? Do you want that for your family? For your legacy? For your future? And God forbid children should show up in the picture do you want that for your children who will grow up knowing that their parents didn't want them that they were an accident a broken condom a missed birth control pill and they were loved in a manner of speaking kind of as an afterthought but as the cohabiting parents break up now that it's you know inconvenient it's inconvenient to be living with your girlfriend and your daughter or something oh yeah yeah, think of those kids. Think about what's going to happen to them. We have so many people out there that want to do fake marriage in order to justify themselves into, well, fornication without guilt. Which, the guilt's still going to be there, but they're trying their best to ignore it, darn it. And then we have a whole bunch of people who are cohabiting to get some thrills for a few years before they ruin their lives, step by step. Don't. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to the person that you love. If you are cohabiting, get married ASAP. Like, you can do a wedding later. Go get a courthouse wedding. Go get married. Fix this. Repent before God Almighty and go to Christ for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Because if you don't, and if you think good enough is good enough with the way you're living your life, I don't know how else to tell you. God's not going to bless it. To the contrary, he's going to actively punish it. If you are something of a believer in this cohabiting relationship, he is going to discipline you directly. If you are not a believer, 
and you don't repent, you have eternal hellfire to look forward to. And you ain't going to be sticking your pee-pee in anything in hell. You're just going to burn. And you will not be able to tell yourself it was worth it. For those few years of pleasure and convenience that you experienced. It is better on the other side being married. Sure, there are problems. Sure, it's not always going to be easy. We're going to talk about that next week. It will not always be easy. But you come out of the other side of those difficulties, and it gets even better than it was before. Trust me, I've been through it, and I've seen countless other couples who stubbornly stuck with their marriages and stuck with each other and worked through these issues and worked through their problems, and they won. They won the game. They won lifelong joy in their marriage, and it is something to rejoice over. Amen? Amen.